Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair. It's good to be with you again on another episode of Vitality Radio and the Vitality Radio Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing this podcast with anybody that you know. I just had a text right before I went on air today that uh, got me just giddy inside because uh, it was a brand new listener who loves the show, says she's had it on repeat and has turned her sister on to it, who is listening to it as well. And that just gets me so excited because the message that I deliver, I believe, has real value for you, for your friends, your family members. Obviously, some of the things that I say and I'm about to say will be controversial. And that's okay. I think. I feel like controversy isn't a bad thing. Hate, negativity, divisiveness, those types of things, not my favorite. Controversy, we've got to have it. you got to have both sides of the story, and then you get to decide what you'd like to do with it. But if you like what you hear on Vitality Radio and the Vitality Radio podcast, please share it with your friends, your family members, and even your enemies, because they can use the information too. Thank you so much for listening to me on this show. Vitality Radio, always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful, my family-run store that mom and dad started back in 1977, is still here serving you with all of your health, nutrition, and needs that you may have to obtain your ultimate vitality. One of the new things that we're doing that is so exciting, and I will say genuinely the most excited I've ever been about anything that I've ever done in the world of health is what I'm doing with Core Wellness. Core Wellness is a new company that I am a partner in. And what we are doing is we are presenting a model known as the NAAP model. And what NAAP is, is Neuro Auto Associative Programming. This was developed by a gentleman, a good friend of mine, Lamont Wilcox. I've talked about it a lot lately, and I don't want to hammer it into you too much, but it's so exciting to me that I want to make sure anybody that hasn't heard this message at least gets the opportunity to hear it. We've been doing these intro seminars to introduce what this is to you. Basically, it is learning that you have maps inside your mind, in your subconscious mind, that repeatedly take you to places that you aren't particularly wanting to go, places such as addiction, depression, anxiety, OCD, and you name it. There's about a thousand of them, codependency, all kinds of different places that we tend to end up over and over again, even though we consciously are trying to fight against it, we don't quite know how to get out of it. This neuro-auto-associative programming is basically about learning to get out of those maps and reroute those maps using neuroplasticity to find what you are really looking for in life. We have a new intro seminar planned on the 23rd of March. It's coming right up. The 23rd at 6.30 at Vitality in Bountiful. That's at 107 South, 500 West. It's $15 for you, $5 for a friend or family member. And if you want to bring more than one person along, it's $5 for each additional person that you want to bring along. 
And what we do is we give you 90 minutes of information about what the core principles of NAAP are and how we teach them, basically, so that you can decide if you want to dive deeper into it and learn more about it and actually take back control of your life. If you're feeling stuck in any aspect of your life, whether it's a relationship, financial, a business or career thing, uh, parenting, spirituality, you name it, this applies to it. It is really, really beautiful stuff. We had a workshop last night that was just fantastic with 15 amazing people that uh, are learning these concepts and really, really grasped a ton of it last night. It was really fun to watch and be a part of. So if you have questions about that or you'd like to sign up, give us a call. You do have to have your name on the list. In order to be invited in, we have limited seating available for these events, the intro seminars and the workshops. We do have workshops planned. This is where we do the deep dive. It's eight hours of amazing information. We have the next one planned for the 26th and 27th. It's two four-hour sessions. That's in March. So you can either come to the intro seminar and decide if you want to do something with it, or you can go straight into the workshops without the intro seminar. Either way, if you have more questions, give us a call at Vitality, 801 292 6662. That's 801-292-6662. Now, I've got to say that I need to (sighs) breathe a sigh of relief. Holy smokes. If you've been listening to me on a regular basis, you know that I've been on a complaint fast two in a row, seven days, and then a break of a day or two and then seven days again, meaning that I've been fasting from complaining. I will not say that I was perfect in either of these fasts. However, I will say I did a pretty good job. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with how it turned out. I will not put these away and never do them again. I anticipate doing more and more of them. One of my loyal listeners says he's been on a complaint fast for years, and it's really served him. And that's really kind of the idea of it for me, too, is becoming aware of how much I complain and recognizing that complaining doesn't serve me too much. Now, I will say this, that I don't complain that much. I didn't have to catch myself, you know, a hundred times a day, but it was multiple times a day, every day that I recognized, oops. And sometimes it's something simple like, oh, my knee hurts, which doesn't do anybody any good. It's just acknowledging that my knee hurts, but I don't necessarily need to complain about it. Sometimes it was a a billboard full of propaganda about COVID uh, that I normally would complain about. And this time turned it into a gratitude about the knowledge that I have that I'm some of which I'm about to share uh, when it comes to that topic. And regardless of what it was, what was great about it is it did bring awareness to my mind of how much I have to be grateful for compared to how much I have to complain about. That was big, really big. And then the other thing that it brought to my mind that I really, really absolutely loved was just how limiting complaining is to your brain. When we complain in many, many cases, not all, because sometimes we complain and then we do, right? Then we act and we do something about what we're complaining about. And if that's what complaining leads you to, Absolutely. Take charge, go after it, fix what you're complaining about if if it's within your power to do so. But oftentimes complaining is almost just pigeonholes. It just puts us into a stuck position where we don't feel like 
we can improve it because we have no power over it. It's an external thing. It's not within our control or power. And so we just get fed up and complain and kind of throw up our hands and surrender. And surrender, I don't like the idea of that at all. I hope that you do not like that idea either. Lately, with COVID and this lockdown and all the mandates and all the other stuff that's come along, the censorship and so on and so forth, it's been a throw your hands up and surrender kind of feel a lot of times for a lot of us. But I don't believe that that's ever what we're meant to do. I believe we are meant to do what we believe to be right, what we believe is true. And even when the odds are stacked against us, which they often are, it does not mean that we cannot fight and move forward doing what we believe is true, listening, and then talking and sharing about our truth. It's a big deal. It's very important to me. And that's really what I do every single week on Vitality Radio. So anyway, I say I'm grateful that the complaint fast is over. And that is because we went two weeks without rants, people. (laughs) Two weeks without vital rants. And I just don't think I can do it anymore. So I found so much this week, so much to rant about. I don't think I'm going to have time to do it all. This one's going to make up for a little bit of lost time the last couple of weeks. I'm going to hit the first rant. We'll see how long it goes. And this is going to be sort of a free-flowing show. I've got a few herbs from my top 10 herb list that I didn't finish last week. If I have time, I'll hit those at the end of this week. If not, we'll do them next week. But you will get them. Don't worry. They're great herbs. I don't want to not get that information out to you. Uh, I think that's double negative, but you understand what I'm saying. So anyway, we are uh, 10 minutes into the show. It's just about time to rant. I'm going to share one more thing with you that you might be interested in. If you are a protein powder person, if you're someone who likes to use whey protein, if you have used whey protein in the past and it bugs your stomach, that's usually a whey protein concentrate. We are doing something very unique with a whey protein isolate. An isolated whey protein basically has no lactose, no casein. It is typically the most gentle on your stomach, producing no gassiness or bloating or any of that kind of stuff. And we have these five-pound containers. This is a premium, premium product uh, that we ended up with an overstock of in a couple of flavors. Uh, We have caramel, uh, salted caramel is what it's called, and banana. And they're both good. They're just unique. They're not chocolate or vanilla. And we have, I don't know, 40 bottles-ish that we need to move out in the next couple of months. And so because of that, we're doing a really good deal. They're usually 100 bucks. We're doing for $39.99 for five pounds. It's almost 80 servings, 25 grams of protein per serving. And you get a free shaker cup or a free workout towel with each bottle purchased. Now, they are short dated. We only have about two months left on the date. But whey protein, it's a kind of an arbitrary date the FDA requires this stuff lasts a long time. So dating is really not that big of an issue other than we need to get it out before those dates hit at the end of May. So just a little special we're doing at Vitality Nutrition. And I wanted to let you know about a free shaker or workout towel plus a $99 bottle of protein for just 39 bucks. So if you're interested in that, give us a call 801-292-6662. Or if you can make it in personally, it's 107 South, 500 West in Bountiful. And now it is time for the vital rant.
In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. All right, the headline reads, 39-year-old woman dies four days after second Moderna vaccine autopsy ordered. Cassidy Carrill's family said she had no known medical issues or pre-existing conditions. Her heart, liver, and kidneys all shut down after her second dose of the Moderna vaccine. A 39-year-old woman from Ogden, Utah, died February 5th, four days after receiving a second dose of Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine, according to CBS affiliate KUTV. Cassidy Carrill died of organ failure after her liver, heart, and kidneys shut down. She had no known medical issues or pre-existing conditions, according to family members. Now, I'm reading this directly from the article. This is actually two articles that are put together, uh, one from KUTV, the local news station here in Salt Lake City, and another one from Children's Health Defense Network. Now, I want to clarify that because I will specifically state when I am giving any opinion. Otherwise, this article is 100% directly from one of those two sources, okay? And the reason I say that is I, I have recently been accused of misinformation. That seems to be a big, powerful, throw-around word like conspiracy theory and all kinds of other stuff that goes around, especially on social media. Misinformation is a funny word. I think most of the time, most people, people tend to look at misinformation as something they disagree with, at least to some extent, because they think the other side is lying on some level. Now, whether or not the other side is lying, I don't know. It depends on the other side and it depends on the story and it depends on your perception of what's going on. So my goal today is to share with you the news, not my perception, but 100% fact, and then you get to just decide whether this is information that's useful to you or not. So again, I'm going to read directly from these articles. I will interject my opinions here and there, but I will let you know when that is happening. So it goes on. KUTV uncovered the death as part of its investigation into COVID vaccine side effects. The investigation involved looking into reports submitted by Utah residents to the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System people, and this is me talking, don't know there is such a thing as V-A-E-R-S. That's the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. But the V-A-E-R-S, as of 2019, had paid out $4.1 billion in damages to people who were injured or killed by vaccines. And those are the ones that can be proven. As we go through the article, you'll recognize that proving that a vaccine has hurt somebody is very, very difficult. And we'll get into that here in a second. Back to the article. According to the Salt Lake Tribune, there were four deaths in Utah reported to VAERS, V-A-E-R-S, in January and February, including Cassidy Carrill. KUTV reported that doctors at Intermountain Medical Center recommended Kirill's family request an autopsy, and the family agreed. The medical examiner could not say whether the autopsy would be automatically forwarded to the CDC or the FDA. I don't know why it wouldn't be, because they're the ones that are supposed to be 
checking in on these vaccine injuries. But again, that's just my question, not part of the article. Dr. Eric Christensen, Utah's chief medical examiner, said proving vaccine injury as a cause of death almost never happens. Did the vaccine cause this? I think that would be very hard to demonstrate in autopsy. Christensen could think of only one instance where a vaccine as the official cause of death would be seen on an autopsy report, and that would be in the case of immediate anaphylaxis, in other words, an allergic reaction where somebody died almost instantaneously after receiving the shot. In the case of Cassidy Carrill, it was four days later. Short of that, it would be difficult for us to definitively say this is the vaccine, Christensen said. A more likely result would be a lack of answers or an incomplete autopsy. An autopsy can provide answers to a family when no disease or red flags are found, which is the case in Cassidy Carrill's situation, or they can rule out competing causes of death, Christensen explained. The lack of answers may help a family understand if the vaccine was a possible cause. Christensen said vaccine deaths are possible and do happen. Just about every vaccine or anything you do to treat someone when you inject something has a potential for a negative outcome. And then he said, I'm sure VAERS can verify other vaccines have led to death. And of course, that is 100% true according to the VAERS website, which you can access if you'd like to find it. It's V-A-E-R-S. And it shows you year by year the vaccines, the types of injuries have been paid out on and what the outcome was, injury or death, basically. After her first shot, Kirill, a surgical tech for local plastic surgeons, experienced a sore arm, but no other side effects. The day of her second shot, she had gone shopping and was fine until she started feeling, quote unquote, not so great that evening, said her sister, Kristen. According to Kirill's father, she got sick right away after receiving the second shot. She had soreness at the injection site, started to get sick and complained she was drinking fluids, but couldn't pee. That was his uh, exact quote uh, in the interview. Kirill went to the emergency room and was later transported to Intermountain Medical Center for a liver transplant. Both parents were willing to donate portions of their liver to save their daughter, but Kirill died within 30 hours of arriving at the ER. Kirill's obituary states that she died from apparent complications due to the second COVID-19 vaccination. Between December 14, 2020 and February 26, 2021, VAERS had received reports of 1,265 deaths after COVID vaccination. So that's about a two and a half month period, 1,265 deaths after COVID vaccination. Although the CDC says on its website that CDC and FDA physicians review each reported death as soon as notified, it does not appear that autopsies were ordered in any of the other reported Utah cases, according to KUTV. Last month, the Defender reported on a 58-year-old woman who died hours after getting her first dose of the Pfizer vaccine. State and federal officials said they were investigating her death but had not performed an autopsy. On February 5th, officials said they did not know the cause of Key's death or any underlying conditions that could have contributed to her death. But there was no evidence that it was tied to the vaccine, according to NBC News. According to the Virginian pilot, a public records request related to Key's death revealed concerning emails 
State Health Commissioner Norman Oliver told public information officers in a February 5th email that if reporters asked whether an autopsy was done on Keyes, they should say a full autopsy was not needed in order to ascertain whether the death was related to the vaccine. Now, I want to repeat that because it's pretty important. State Health Commissioner Norman Oliver told public information officers in a February 5th email that if reporters asked whether an autopsy was done on Keyes, they should say this. A full autopsy was not needed in order to ascertain whether the death was related to the vaccination. Now, you can decide, this is my opinion, whether State Health Commissioner Norman Oliver why he would tell the state information officers specifically what to say about the autopsy and the vaccine. Back to the article. The public records request also revealed that officials inside and outside the health department were concerned the death of Keyes, who is black, could worsen vaccine hesitancy among minorities, reported the Virginian pilot. When the health department spokespeople crafted a statement following Keyes' death, they included Governor Ralph Northam's press secretary and another Northam staffer in the editing process. The wording regarding timing of the death after the vaccine went from saying there may appear to be a relationship, but that it is not necessarily the case, to the timing is not evidence of being related, highlighting their focus on deterring speculation according to the Virginian pilot. So now we have some pretty significant wordsmithing going on. Again, my opinion, but they changed it from that it may be, appear to be a relationship, but it is not necessarily the case to is it evidence of it being related, highlighting that their focus on uh, deterring speculation, according to the Virginian pilot. I really butchered that. <laughs> I really butchered that. I apologize. So in other words, we have two staffers for the governor, Governor Ralph Northam, that are specifically rewriting, rewriting this to reduce vaccine hesitancy. Now, that goes along with the billboards in Utah from the government that say, find out why the vaccine is safe. I don't even know what that means because we don't have any significant safety data on the vaccine at all. So I don't know how they're going to prove that the vaccine is safe because there is no proof that the vaccine is safe. These are experimental vaccines. Remember that. And that is not my opinion, although I, it is not part of the article, we know they are experimental vaccines, all three of them. None of them have gone through the, the more rigorous requirements that the FDA normally uses uh, to approve vaccines. These vaccines have not been approved that way. They are for emergency use only, meaning that they are experimental. That's important to understand. Okay, so let's move to the next part of the article. The family was forced to get their own private autopsy. Keyes' daughter said that even before state officials had her mother's post-mortem preliminary test results, the medical examiner's officer told her that they would not perform an autopsy. They told her nothing could be gleaned from an autopsy that would relate the vaccine to her death. State officials didn't answer how medical examiners could thoroughly rule out other potential causes of death triggered by or linked to the shot without an eternal, internal examination of the body. CDC says no deaths have been attributed to COVID-19 vaccines. However, according to the latest data available from VAERS, that vaccine adverse reaction site, which is run by the government, 
which includes reports submitted between December 14th and February 26th, total 1,265 deaths following COVID vaccines that have been reported in the system. That does not mean that is all of the deaths. That means that's how many have been reported. Dr. Sheffield with Intermountain explained the difference in numbers of deaths reported and the CDC's statement of no vaccine deaths, saying it comes down to what can and can't be proven. So even though 1,265 have been reported, 1,265 have been reported, many have not had autopsies. This, this is me explaining my understanding of this article now again. 1,265 have been reported. CDC says none of them can be proven that the vaccine caused the death. And it is 100% true that when somebody drops dead, there are many likely causes, right? And in some of the cases, when somebody drops dead, they have many comorbidities. Maybe they had heart disease or diabetes or obesity or respiratory illnesses of other kinds. There, That happens with COVID itself, 26 average comorbidities with every person that dies from COVID. So we know that sometimes it's just a fluke. Somebody gets vaccinated, they die, and it may literally have nothing to do with the vaccine. But we also know that it could have something to do with the vaccine in many cases, but how do you prove it? How do you prove it, especially with an experimental vaccine with no track record? Well, I would say, not according to me, but Dr. Christensen the head of this stuff in Utah that is nearly impossible to prove. So we don't know. We just don't know. Okay, the next uh, part of the article says, you, uh, let's see, you have to look at what the numbers are saying, Sheffield said. Is it saying that the vaccine caused the deaths or were there deaths in people who received the vaccine? Those are two very different things, right? So let's see. The Defender also reported last month that the CDC is investigating the death of a 36-year-old doctor in Tennessee who died February 8th, about one month after receiving a second dose of COVID vaccine. News reports at the time didn't identify which brand of vaccine the doctor received, but there were only the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines at that point. And in January, the Defender reported on the death of baseball legend Hank Aaron, from an undisclosed cause 18 days after receiving his first dose of the Moderna vaccine, the New York Times implied that Aaron's death was unrelated to the vaccine. However, no autopsy was conducted. Now, Hank Aaron's an interesting case, very famous person, but also a very old person. I think he was, I, I can't, I can't tell you this for sure because it's not in the article, but I think he was 86, if I remember correctly, uh, at the time of death, which puts him in line with the age range where most of the people dying from COVID are, right? It doesn't make it less tragic that somebody died, whether they're 86 or they're 18. But the point is that at least puts them in line with kind of where the death range is. People, you know, over 65 for the most part, people with comorbidities and so on and so forth. Yet Aaron didn't have COVID. He had received the vaccine and they didn't do an autopsy. So we don't know why he died. Now, in the case of Cassidy Carrill and this 36-year-old doctor in particular, these are young people, 39 and 36. There are also people who had no existing comorbidities that anybody was aware of. We, as far as anybody could tell, they were perfectly healthy when they received the vaccine. So then in those cases, especially, it feels to me like an autopsy would 
be something that must be performed. But then when we perform an autopsy, what happens? Well, good luck proving it had anything to do with the vaccine, right? So there's a real challenge here. And my point in sharing this entire story with you is not to influence you one way or the other at all. It's just to give you a side of the story that you're not hearing because what's happening repeatedly, and it happened apparently in Virginia where the governor had two of his wordsmiths smooth out the information uh, going out to the public. And it happened in uh, it happens in Utah, where I live, all the time with these billboards that are constantly telling us that the vaccine is safe, that the vaccine will get things back to real life. One billboard I saw the other day said, get back to birthday parties. That starts with getting the vaccine. It's like, so the government is now telling us, well, if you want to have life again, get the vaccine. If you want your freedom, get the vaccine. Well, that doesn't feel like freedom at all. It feels like manipulation to me. Maybe it feels like freedom to you. I don't know. We all have different perceptions of all this. But where the overwhelming emphasis, whether it be from Biden or from Fauci or from our local health authorities or from our government locally or nationally, from any of these sources is do the vaccine, it's how we get back to normal, and it's safe. And my take on it is very simple. We don't know what we don't know. It's the best way I can put it. And I don't care. I, I don't. I don't care what whether you're someone who's racing to get the vaccine and thinking this is great, it's a godsend, or you're someone who's very hesitant and saying, oh, I don't like the idea of an experimental vaccine. My message is simply, we don't know. We don't know what the safety record is. We don't know what we don't know. So what I want to share with you now is what we do know, because there are some things that we absolutely do know, and none of what I'm about to share with you is my opinion. It's all proof, proven. It's all been reported by either the vaccine manufacturers or the CDC or the FDA or a combination of those three. These are all experimental vaccines. None have gone through the typical eight to 10 year process of making a vaccine and then getting it approved through the normal process that FDA goes through. They are all only being used under an emergency authorization. These are experimental vaccines. They have virtually no safety data. They are brand new. We have no track record. We have nothing to go on. We know nothing about anything that's happened with anybody after a vaccine's been administered beyond two months, beyond two months. And so we don't know. We don't know how safe they are. We know how unsafe they are. We just don't know. They have no proof that they prevent COVID spread. And they have specifically stated this. Again, this is not my opinion. They have no proof whether they prevent COVID spread. In fact, there is some evidence that they may increase COVID spread. What they prove have proven when they say that the vaccines are quote unquote effective is that their ability to reduce the severity of the symptoms. In other words, moderate to severe symptoms would come down to mild optimally. And that is what 
they have proven in the actual studies that were done on the vaccines before they were released. So when you hear they're 90% effective or 95% effective, it's not in transmission of COVID-19. It is in the symptoms of COVID-19, which makes this not even really a vaccine because vaccines generally have been about providing immunity, not reducing symptoms. It makes it more of a medication in, in that. That would be my opinion. The second dose does seem to be far more problematic than the first. In terms of the VAERS reporting, people are having the, the reports are happening more after the second dose than the first dose. So getting the first dose and not having a an apparent side effect does not necessarily ensure that that won't happen after the second dose. Now, according to the CDC, COVID-19 deaths occur in about 0.26% of those infected. That means that the virus itself has a 99.74% recovery rate or survival rate. So 99.74% recovery rate. Those are the statistics from the Centers for Disease Control. So with a vaccine that has that high of a recovery rate and a vaccine that only reduces symptomology, how effective is this vaccine going to be for the majority of people? It's a question you get to answer for yourselves. Natural immunity by getting a virus in every case throughout history has been a more powerful immunity and a more long-lasting immunity than has ever been achieved by a vaccine. That's also, there's mounds of studies to prove that. And then once again, these vaccines do not help you gain immunity. That's why they're still saying, talking about wearing masks long-term, even after you've had the vaccine, because it doesn't actually reduce the spread of the virus, which causes me to just ask the question, why? Why do we have this? Why is it being pushed so hard if it doesn't even prevent COVID-19 from happening? And again, that's my question, but everything I just shared with you is actual fact and not my opinion. This all comes from CDC, FDA, or the drug manufacturers themselves. So my goal here is simply to inform. You get to decide. I am a big lover of freedom. I think agency is one of the greatest gifts bestowed upon mankind and your agency to do what you will with your help and my agency to do what I will with my help is beautiful and it's sacred in my opinion. And so whether you decide to drink 48 ounce uh, soda or I decide to eat a bag of gummy worms, knowing that both of those could potentially lead to diabetes and heart disease, you know what? We get to make that choice. Yay! That's great. We also get to make the choice to go work out. We also get to make the choice to eat healthy food if we choose to. We also get the choice to try an alternative approach to natural healing of whatever it is that we're dealing with, whether it be a virus or arthritis or anxiety or anything else, or we get the choice to go to a medical doctor and see if that person, that medical professional can help us. It's all within our ability to choose. And I love that. I absolutely love it. And I honor it. I honor your ability to listen to this show and say, wow, that guy has some great information. I'm going to really look into this. Or wow, that guy's a nut job. I have no interest in what he's saying. Great. That's fantastic. Use your freedom. I love it. Freedom is important, especially when it comes to our health, our bodily sovereignty.
And my desire is simply to get you as much information as I can to help you make the decisions that you have the authority to make for yourself when it comes to your health. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break. Uh, If you have questions about anything you've heard on Vitality Radio so far, give us a call, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. We are in Bountiful, Utah, but if you are within the sound of my voice, you are within the reach of our help. We can take care of you no matter where you are. Just give us a call, 801-292-6662. I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to come back and share with you another little rant and hopefully talk a little bit more about herbs on the return. My name's Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blog or online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns, naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662, that's 801-292-6662, or drop us an email, info at vitalityradiopod.com, that's info at vitalityradiopod.com. All right, welcome back to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name's Jared St. Clair, and I'm so excited to be with you this week. I hope you enjoyed my rant I hope that I made it clear that these are facts and not opinion, but I also want to make it clear that these are not necessarily uh, anything I say on Vitality Radio is is on me. It's all about me. It has nothing to do with the radio station, has nothing to do with anybody else. So uh, if you have a beef and you want to talk about it, I'm more than happy to talk about it, actually. What's interesting is I... I usually get these weird, you know, like letters from people with no return address saying that, you know, I'm misleading people or whatever. And nobody actually just asked to talk about it when they disagree with me, which I think is weird. I'm a pretty nice guy. Uh, I can have a nice conversation with someone who disagrees with me. But uh, regardless, it's as I stated before, it's up to you. You get to decide what you want to do with the information I provide. I just provide the information. All right. Vitality Radio, of course, brought to you by Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful, my family-owned store, 43 years in business, helping you achieve your optimal health and vitality. I'm so excited to tell you that Vitality Radio is growing. The podcast is growing. We consistently are adding new listeners, new subscribers, new uh 
fans of the show, people who are really enjoying it and and sharing it with their friends and things like that. One thing you can do if you do like the show, if you like the idea of spreading the word and getting it out there, is to leave me a review on Apple uh, podcasts. That's the one place where you can leave written reviews. Stitcher actually has that ability too, but it's a little hard to find. But Apple Podcasts is a great place to do it. I'd love to get the number of reviews up because it helps Apple decide whether or not they want to share my show around to more people. It's part of their algorithm. So if you'd like the show to get out to more people, that's one way that you can help out. We certainly, certainly would appreciate that very much. Vitality Radio is so much fun to do because I get to do this wide range of things. I get to educate on kind of hot button topics like COVID. And then sometimes I get to go old school and talk about things like garlic. And I told you it was going to be a bit of a free flowing show. During the break, I took a minute to decide what I wanted to finish up with because I only had about 18 minutes left to go. And I thought, well, I'm going to finish up with my top 10 herbs. Uh, I left a few off from last week. And while I have two other rant topics I could do, I think both of them can wait a week. And I don't want to have the whole show be rants, although I've done that in the past. So let's talk about herbs. Last week, if you missed it, I talked about my top 10 herbs, although I only got to about seven of them. So I have a few more to to share with you today. And one of them I'm going to do a bit of a deep dive on because it's it's so old school. (laughs) And it's it's in your cabinets, in your kitchen, almost for sure. Uh, hopefully, you've got cloves of this ready, fresh to uh, put into your food. And if not, at least garlic powder that you can sprinkle into your food or garlic, uh, dehydrated garlic of some sort. Or if you don't necessarily love the way garlic tastes, which... I can't even imagine because I love it. It's one of my favorite, favorite foods. But if you don't love the way garlic tastes or you're hesitant because of the way garlic smells, then, well, you can do it another way. There is a great garlic. It's a brand called Kyolic. It's K-Y-O-L-I-C. It's sold in health food stores across the globe and certainly has been a part of Vitality Nutrition for I think since we opened, I, I'm pretty sure. I don't I don't think it's ever been something we haven't carried. And it is the one that has the most research. And it is the one that is guaranteed to never make you smell. You don't smell like garlic when you use it. It's an aged garlic extract. There's better information and research on aged garlic extract being the most effective form of garlic than any other form of garlic anyway, other than perhaps raw, fresh garlic, which is phenomenal if you can fit that into what you're doing. But regardless, my point being that if you want the benefits of garlic and you don't want the smell, you can do it in a capsule. And it's fantastic stuff. Absolutely love it. And I use it myself. So I'm going to talk about garlic, but I'm going to hit you with a couple things first. There are a couple more herbs on the list that I think everybody should know about. One, I've lumped two herbs together. So it's a little bit of a cheat in my top 10, making my top 10 actually a top 11 and Guess what? The next one's also a little bit of a cheat. So I guess I have a top 12 here. Oh, it's hard to choose just 10. But the first one is oregano. Oregano is another one you got in your kitchen cabinet. And I talked earlier last week about turmeric and turmeric and ginger both being things that you can are certainly considered spices or herbs or whatever you want to say that you would put into your food. And I absolutely condone doing that. I use it my, both of them myself a lot. 
But both of them, once they're concentrated into a capsule form, can be more bioavailable, more useful to the body. In the case of garlic and oregano, the same can be said. A supplemental garlic or oregano are fantastic and more concentrated for sure, but you don't need massive quantities of either of them in your food to do really good stuff for you. So adding oregano to your food is is a great, great way to go. Absolutely. But again, if you are, and if you're using it daily, that's perfect. Use it daily. I keep oregano, I use oregano a lot in my food, but I also keep oregano in a soft gel capsule and I use oregano as a soft gel capsule whenever I'm starting to come down with whatever it is I feel like I'm coming down with. Got a runny nose or a sore throat or I didn't get enough sleep for a couple nights in a row. Somebody else in the house or at work is a little under the weather and I don't want to get it. Oregano is one of my first lines of defense along with things like colloidal silver and high doses of vitamin C. The other one that goes right along with oregano for me is olive leaf extract. Now, olive leaf extract is not something you would typically use in your diet. And so that's one that most people use supplementally as a a, a capsule or some people use it as a tea. But for the most part, people are swallowing it as capsules. Olive leaf and oregano, I can't, I shouldn't totally lump them together, but I'm going to because for the most part, people use them for the same reasons. Anti-infection of pretty much any kind, things that would work that you would typically potentially use an antibiotic for. There are things that you might use an antifungal for or things that you might use an antiviral for because in both cases, olive leaf and oregano work on all three things, which I love because in medicine, and when I say in medicine, in modern medicine, in Western medicine where antibiotics are running rampant and overused, even the CDC and the FDA admit that they're overused. So if they're overused, we need alternatives, right? Well, oregano and olive leaf are two of the greatest alternatives. One of the things I love about them, because they work on fungal, viral, and bacterial, whereas antibiotics are often recommended for things that aren't actually bacterial infections, such as sinus infections, where 85% of them are actually viral or fungal in nature. It's only 15% of the time when an antibiotic is recommended for a sinus infection, is it even a viable recommendation? So with olive leaf and oregano, you don't have to know what the infection is. You don't have to have a swab to figure out if it's strep or if it's a sinus infection from a fungal thing or a viral thing or a bacterial thing. You just take it because it'll fight all three things. And one of the reasons I lump them together is I don't think I ever really use just olive leaf or oregano. I pretty much always use oregano and olive leaf because they're different enough and complementary enough that they work really, really well together. And two of my absolute superstars for immune system support, amazing, amazing herbs. I believe both should be in your medicine cabinet at home, right there ready if you are, just in case you get infected with anything that would be from any of those three things, viruses, bacteria, or fungal infections. Now, they can be used topically in some cases for different things. They can be used internally. They can be used in capsules. They can be used in oils or extracts. There's a wide range of ways that you can use oregano, 
or olive leaf. And then there are some excellent formulas, including a formula I developed called Get Well, Stay Well that has both of them in there, along with vitamin C and zinc and a variety of other things, specifically as a first line of defense against those types of things. So amazing, amazing herbs, big, big fan of both. The next one that I'm lumping together are two traditional herbs that are considered tonics in the cultures that they are used in widely. And that is matcha and mate. Now, if you happen to ever go to Brazil or South or Central America, in many cases, you'll see people drinking tea out of a gourd, they're called, with a little silver straw. And that's usually mate. Mate is amazing. The full name would be yerba mate. And yerba mate is something I actually now, thanks to a good friend of mine, uh, am using on a more regular basis than I used to because he got me a gourd and a straw for Christmas and a bag of mate. And I, I have mate at Vitality, but I didn't have the other things. And I am, I love it. It's great. I put a little bit of maple syrup or a little bit of honey, uh, sometimes a little bit of stevia if I'm trying to take the calories out of it, along with just hot water and the mate and sip it through that straw out of the gourd. And it's fantastic stuff. What does it do? Well, mate has something in it known as caffeine. You may have heard of it. Most of us are using it every single day. But one of the things that's cool about mate is the caffeine in mate is considered the only caffeine that is not actually addictive. How's that for cool? It's, it's very gentle on the system, but it still gives you a nice lift. Really amazing stuff. Definitely worth a try. Another one would be matcha. Matcha would also be known as ceremonial green tea. This is the stuff that they use in Japan. It is a powerful powerful antioxidant. It also contains caffeine, but it is buffered by something called L-theanine. So the caffeine energy that you would typically get from something like a coffee or a can of Coke or something like that is much more balanced when it comes from matcha or from mate. You don't tend to feel rushed or jittery. You tend to feel just stable, steady, even-keeled energy and far less likely to become addicted to either one of those things. So I love those things. And now with the last few minutes that I have, I've got to talk about garlic because there are so many things that garlic is great for. And before I go into it, I mentioned that you can get it supplementally, but eat garlic. If you like garlic, load it in to almost anything that you can imagine that garlic would potentially taste good in. Use it. Use it, use it, use it. You won't get too much, and it is amazing for you. Believe it or not, though, I'm going to share a few things with garlic that I find pretty interesting, actually, uh, somewhat fascinating, and that is some of the things that garlic does that you may never have thought of, weight loss being one of them. There was a mice study that was done, and they fed two groups of mice a very high calorie and what would be considered a fattening uh, diet, essentially, looking to make the mice get fat. They did this over an eight-week period of time. One group of mice got garlic mixed into the food, and the other group of mice did not. What they found was that the mice were far less able to store fat from the food that they were eating than the mice who did not get the garlic. And the mice on that diet actually tended to lose weight as opposed to gain weight. Very, very interesting. Something I did not actually know before. So fascinating stuff. There's another one, vasodilation, you may not have thought of. Now, vasodilation, we just talked about caffeine, which is a vasoconstrictor. It tends to tighten up the vascular system and, and um, constrict, which is why caffeine can cause blood pressure issues and things like that. Well, Garlic is vasodilating. It opens up the blood vessels, which makes it 
phenomenal for cardiovascular wellness. It's one of the best tried and true remedies for blood pressure, for cholesterol. It is absolutely phenomenal for your heart. I am a huge advocate of garlic for that reason. One of the other things that's great about the vasodilation is it oxygenates the cells. So people find that it actually can improve. And it's not a dramatic improvement in most cases, but some people actually, it's a noticeable improvement in muscle recovery in muscle capacity when you're working out because it is driving more blood and oxygen into the muscle tissues. And also, they're starting to do studies on garlic as a preventative for brain deterioration uh, type diseases such as dementia or Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, things like that. Now, that's interesting, right? Garlic for those things. Really, really amazing. Garlic is seriously great stuff. It also has been shown that regular consumption of garlic fights and reduces the risk of prostate, lung, rectal, colon, and brain cancer. Amazing stuff. It also helps to reduce respiratory ailments, both the occurrence and the duration of respiratory illnesses. It also has been shown to reduce symptoms and duration of viral infections, such as the common cold and flu. And here's one for you, reducing gum infections. Now, I've never used garlic this way, and I just successfully, with a combination of what I did at home, primarily with oregano oil and olive leaf and high levels of vitamin C and colloidal silver, those are the big four that I used, uh, so you know, to fight an abscessed tooth that I did not want to lose. And then I had Dr. Larson, my dear dentist, who I just absolutely love, who does such great work, inject me with ozone a couple of times. And I don't have an abscessed tooth anymore. It did not need a root canal. It did not need to be removed. It's just there fine and dandy like it was. Very, very cool stuff. But garlic can be used that way too. You can actually make a little poultice out of garlic, smash it up into little pieces and make kind of a paste out of it and stick it right over that area. And it will help to fight the infection. I've not done that. But I think I will next time if that happens. If you're dealing with receding gums or things like that, uh, a little bit of garlic oil on your toothbrush or oregano oil can be really, really effective for that as well as can colloidal silver. So all really, really good things. Fungal infections, athlete's foot, yeast infections, and other types of fungal infections. Garlic is phenomenal for those. And I'm going to give you one that you would never have thought of, I'm guessing, that it may cure bad breath. How about that one? Garlic for bad breath? Well, in the short term, it can give you garlic breath, obviously. But in the long term, because garlic is so antibacterial and so effective that way, and because halitosis, uh, bad breath, is almost always caused by bacterial overgrowths, either in the gut or in the mouth or a combination of both, garlic is a phenomenal thing to actually use to fight against that. Isn't that wild? Something that immediately makes your breath stink can actually make your breath smell sweeter uh, the rest of the time when it's not just fresh in your mouth. Very, very cool stuff. It's a powerful antioxidant. So that means that anti-aging properties, all kinds of good stuff. And then one more thing I want to share with you because I am out of time with garlic is that one study actually showed a 19% decrease in lead in the blood of those who worked in factories producing auto batteries where lead was used. That is really interesting stuff because heavy metal toxicity is a real concern, especially when it comes to things like Alzheimer's disease. 
and other neurological diseases. So if garlic can actually be one of the tools that we can use, and a 19% decrease isn't the same as a 100% decrease, right? But that was a short-term study that was only done over a period of weeks, not months. And 19% is dramatic in a short-term study. So we don't know how effective it is for heavy metals, but we do know that it apparently is effective for heavy metals. And if you're going to put it in your meals anyway, why not get that added benefit? I love garlic. I love herbs. I love the amazing things that God has graced this earth with for our use. I talked about dandelions last week. I talked about a lot of other herbs. If you missed that podcast, check it out. It's just last week's episode. Uh, I think it was episode 108, but don't hold me to that. They're going fast and furious here. I've got to run. Hey, I hope you enjoy what you hear on Vitality Radio. If you do, go share it with somebody. If you're interested in our core NAAP seminar, intro seminar to learn how to take control of your brain patterns and shift you into the direction that you really want to go in life. Give us a call at Vitality 801-292-6662. We have a class on the 23rd at 630. It's 15 bucks for you and five bucks for anybody else that's interested in coming along with you. Thank you so much for listening to me. My name is Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair, produced by elizabeth joy windham with very limited help from jared our awesome music is by brian bob young Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.